Welcome to the Poplar Propcast. I'm your host, Justin LeBurnett. Here in the West, they often say that whiskey is for drinking and water is for fighting. That is more true than ever in Arizona. And we're going to dive into their water situation, uh, specifically around a suburb of Scottsdale. But before we get to that, I just want to talk a little bit about the ideas that kind of bump into this. For a long time in the United States, the go west young man push has all been about your own destiny and finding a piece of land and working it and by the sweat and tears and blood of your body, taking over that piece of the wilderness for your own. The Homesteading Act supported this, the push for um, railroads and everything to crisscross the country. The sea to shining sea ideal has sat there in the back of American mythology and personality. And so when you get a state that has that kind of an ethos and people move to that state for that ethos, and then they realize that they have to live and rely on other people, it gets complicated. (laughs) And it's going to continue to get complicated because we keep having more and more people that want to have their own space. They want to be in control of their own area. And as that happens, we get problems like we're having right now in what are called the Rio Verde foothills. It is a suburb of Scottsdale and they are currently being cut off from water. Uh, They're being cut off from water for complicated reasons and this is not a municipality pulling the plug on them and saying you can't have water anymore. It is a municipality that was selling them water that they had in excess saying we don't have any extra water to sell you. Uh, We've legislated such that we have to take care of our residents before we sell water. We don't have any water to sell you. There's a piece that this reminds me of, and that's Nestle and Dasani and Coca-Cola and all these companies that go in and pay places for water. And then they take that water and bottle it and sell it at a massive markup. Bottled water is insane in how much the markup hits. I, I am dumbfounded every time I see how much money people are getting for designer water. Everything from Voss with their glass bottles to now um, Liquid Death, which is water in a can that has a very clever marketing campaign. But it's, it's, it's water. It's amazing that we're in this kind of a space that feels like something from a, a, a science fiction satire film where we're fighting for water in post-apocalyptic Australia with Mad Max cars where gas and water is all there is. Or like in, in Spaceballs where they have the canned air and everybody's fighting over air. It's, it's water. Air and water are so fundamental that for this to be an issue is phenomenal. In large part, it's an issue because when people look around for places to live, one of the first things they look at is affordability and self-control, self-determination. Will I be able to do the things that I want to do and can I afford to live there? And so you have this movement and push towards Arizona. One of the biggest places in Arizona for that is Maricopa County, which is famous for its crazy sheriff, Joe Arpaio, for a while, and being the center of some of these disputes about where water comes from. So in this part of Arizona, water comes from two places. One is Colorado River allotments, which it is not hugely reliant on. It does not get a ton of water from the Colorado River. What it does have is groundwater. There is water that seeps into uh, under the soil and kind of sits there waiting to be pumped up and used. And there's a certain amount that needs to flow 
through the rivers and streams and little bits of rain in Arizona to recharge these aquifers. And they can be recharged and they can be used sustainably. Arizona in 1980 put forward a groundwater management plan. And that groundwater management plan was built around making sure that they have enough water. So now let's pivot to the most recent development. Um, the pieces to know is that the governor of Arizona, Katie Hobbs, uh, released a groundwater survey for a community called Buckeye. So it's, it's west of Phoenix, about 30, 35 miles, probably 40 from the airport. And there was a demand for this to be released by a water expert at Arizona State University because this, this groundwater survey had been going on since, I think, 2017. So it looks at the time from 2016 to, no kidding, 2116. Uh, there's a piece of legislation in the state of Arizona that says if you're going to develop land, you have to have a plan for 100 years of water. You have to say, here's where I'm going to get my water for the next 100 years and be able to back it up with reasonable science estimates and utilities and not go, oh, well, someday it might rain a bunch and then we'll be fine. That does not count. So when somebody proposed a giant development in Buckeye, like tons and tons of properties, um, the op-ed that came out from Kathleen Ferris said nearly all of this development would be located on pristine desert land without a history of water use. And if developers get their way and are allowed to move forward, the massive new growth they're proposing would seriously threaten the entire region's groundwater. So their concern there, which is valid, is going, cool, well, if you put in this many houses and you put in pools and outdoor landscaping and golf courses and make the communities that you want to make to attract the value and the buyers that you want, it's possible you could pump down the groundwater. It's something very similar to what we've seen in California's Central Valley, where they've pumped out so much groundwater that the land has sunk by several inches to a feet in some places. That's a phenomenal kind of occurrence that we've taken so much out of the ground that the world sank. The surface of the earth sank because we took all the water out. So in this area out in Buckeye, um, when I was working at my previous company, they bought a townhome complex in Buckeye. So in that townhome complex, they had uh, outdoor desertscaping, but they also had one park for all of the residents to enjoy. They had an outdoor pool. Uh, they had, you know, several different blocks inside the community. There were hundreds and hundreds of homes. There were homes that were standalone and then there was this townhome community. So we managed it. And I went out there once to take a look at it to do marketing for it and try and figure out how to get people to move there. That was my mandate there. And driving there, I landed at Phoenix, Sky Harbor Airport, and driving out there in a rental car, I'm just kind of cruising and looking around. It is placed beyond the beyond so when you're driving out of phoenix you go from like central phoenix which is a flat sprawling sun-baked parking lots uh, apartments some houses you get into the kind of the outskirts which turn into more like suburbs but these suburbs are all planned communities a lot of them are gated so they tend to have one pool to share some of them have multiple pools but then you get further out and you get into kind of the industrial relic area of Phoenix, where it's not necessarily um, their their industry out there is a lot of they've got a lot of tourism, they have a lot of golf courses, they have a lot of things that run in the sun, and they also have a lot of 
trucking that comes through there when they're moving stuff around through the southern United States a lot of it passes through Phoenix because that's the way you go when you're headed east from LA or San Diego and need to go to say Texas I mean you can also go up through Vegas but Phoenix is very heavily used there's a lot of traffic on the interstates going to and from there so when you get into this post-industrial part of Phoenix it is like the wreckage of a Mad Max movie there are for a mile, you're driving past lots that are right on the side of the freeway with rusted out hulks of vehicles. There's rusted out semis and rusted out cars and rusted out tractors. Occasionally, they're grown over, but that overgrowth is dead and dry and looks flammable as all get out. Tumbleweeds bounce around them. It's very bizarre. It looks so much like a post-apocalypse landscape. And you get past that, and you hit this spot where you turn off the road and you enter this community of Buckeye and it's got a couple of gas stations right now and then it has just housing and the houses look like they are pulled from any other Southwest area, right? There's a lot of zero scaping. There's a lot of stucco. They're very flat. Uh, they have the Spanish tile roofs. They're built well for residences but what I, I didn't think about when I was there and I never really considered or knew about is where does their water come from how do you support that many people living there and so this report that they released under you know a, a new governor a call from an op-ed writer Kathleen Ferris she's a water expert at Arizona State University this report comes out and it looks at what's called the Lower Hasayampa Subbasin. So that's what Buckeye is in. Buckeye is in this basin. And it's kind of where this river flows through. And it's what's called an alluvial aquifer, which means that it mostly comes from the runoff from the river. And occasional flooding. It's an alluvial aquifer. That's how it's recharged. And they used, they used a model. They used science. They got people in here. It took them a while to put this out. It's really complete. You can go look at the PowerPoint presentation. It's super accessible. So when they're looking at the projection, they're going, cool. The existing demand is 123,000 acre feet per year. And an acre feet of water is the amount of water it takes to cover an acre of land with a foot of water, right? Um, there's analyses, certificates, all this stuff that rolls into this total demand of 294,000 acre feet per year. And it needs 100,000 acre feet per year to recharge the future demands based on annual daily water rate data they used analyses and certificates as of november 2018 they used historical values for demand and recharge and after a hundred years they're saying the existing wells will be 0.9 million acre feet short 2.2 million acre feet short in analyses and 1.3 million acre feet short in certificates. So they think the total unmet demand after 100 years is 4.4 million acre feet. They've got a timeline in here that says when it'll fall off. They've got a projection that says, like, here's all the gaps. We, we can't fill these gaps. There's nothing to do to try and fill these. They have a depth to water after 100 years where it says the groundwater is going to recede to the point where you can't drill for it. You'll be drilling for it, and instead, you're going to hit bedrock. You will hit bedrock before you hit water. Uh, it's just brutal. It's, it says this is not going to work. 
Uh, depth to water exceeds a thousand feet and or hits bedrock in the central and northern parts of the subbasin. It says this is not going to be good. This is not going to work. So Buckeye developments are on hold. They're all kind of sitting there going, well, crap. This report says we can't build. There are a lot of ways to move forward with this, to try and fix this. You could do something like uh, Vegas has done, which is put in an extensive, an extensive uh, network that reclaims the water and puts it back in the ground. You would have to have a treatment plant and put it back in the ground, possibly pump it to the top of the valley so it has time to recharge the groundwater. That that might be able to cover for this. Uh, you could... Uh, there's there's uh, Indian tribes who now, as of a recent uh, federal executive order, are allowed to sell and trade their water rights. So you could buy water from the the Indian tribes. If you do that, though, that's not in perpetuity. That could be revoked if the Indian tribes suddenly get better prices for them somewhere. Or go, oh, we want it because we're growing. We want it because we're going to put in something that's going to use that water. So... They don't currently have a plan to fix it. There are ideas out there, but unless new sources of water can be found, the department will not issue any new certificates along this lower Hasayampa Basin. Solution, anybody's guess. But Ferris has been concerned about development of groundwater use in Phoenix metro area generally for a while. Um, it's all groundwater. They can't use anything else. And that's because they're is almost no surface water. Surface water is water flowing through and water that's coming from rain and runoff. It's not. The rivers that run through Arizona are mostly charged somewhere else. You know, they're charged in Utah, and or not Utah so much, but more Colorado. Some of them are charged in parts of Arizona and flow over, but they're, they're not charged in Arizona. So when you're looking at that and trying to figure out what to do, this is the appropriate point to stop and kind of go, well, crap, we got to figure this out before we move forward. This makes sense. This is an appropriate response. There's a couple of developers that are sitting there going, well, we thought this would work out forever and weren't going to worry about it, who are in trouble. But they are in trouble because they didn't look at this and go, oh, yeah, there's no water there. Now let's talk about <laughs> this. This is so dumb. I, I hate that this happened. I'm sorry for the people that are going through this, but the, the hubris and the pride that leads to this is so categorically massive that it, it, it's nuts. So Rio Verde is a, it's, it's not even a suburb of Scottsdale. It's a separate community governed by Maricopa County. It is not incorporated. It is not part of Scottsdale. It's not part of Phoenix. It's not part of anywhere. And they didn't want to be part of anywhere because they didn't want to pay into the taxes and the utilities and all that stuff that Scottsdale wanted to charge. They didn't want to do that. So they said, okay, well, where can we develop? And they said, well, and this is, this is so aggravating because legally they can do this ethically it it sucks so they went outside of scottsdale and they bought lots out in this area called rio verde and the law says that hundred year law it says if you have more than six lots on a parcel or six parcels on a lot basically if you're building six houses all together 
you have to provide for water for 100 years. You have to do the, the, the plan. You have to figure it out. If you build five, you don't have to. So these developers went out and bought lots. And no matter the size of the lot, they split it into five houses. Five houses at a time. Five houses at a time, they do this over and over and over and over and over. And when they're building these houses, because they know they haven't provided for the water, they put these giant water tanks in the yard. So they dig giant holes when they're building these houses. And they put these water tanks that can hold thousands of gallons of water in the front yard. And then on the back end, they're, they're leach fields. They're on septic. And the plan is to just make it the owner's problem. The developers put them in and go, cool. If you want to get water, you figure out how to fill your tank. And eventually, if you guys decide to be a city and bring water in, that's cool. But right now, you got to fill your tank. And so you have these people out there in Rio Verde who are buying water from water haulers. And the water haulers just do this all day. They, they go fill up with water and bring water over. And the costs are... Uh, diesel and a truck to transport the thing and then actually buying the water while Scottsdale had excess water many of those water haulers would go to Scottsdale and say hey can I hook up to a hydrant and fill up and you'll see these occasionally at like development sites you'll see people that are doing a development and they've hooked up a line to the hydrant and the developer is running water to tamp down sand and to mix with concrete and whatever they might need the water for on site. They're, they're using it to kind of do their work and clean stuff up and use the water to tamp down dust, whatever they might be using it for. But on that, there's a little meter and that little meter is how the water utility gets paid back for that developer's use. This is not a utility supplied water source in the sense that it's not plumbed into your house and they regularly check it. This is an individual contract that says, cool, you can use this water up to this amount and it will cost you this much. And you can do it this time. And then if you wanna do it again, new contract, new deal. This time you can do it. So these water haulers were doing that. They were basically plugging into hydrants, filling up these giant trucks full of water and bring it out to Rio Verde. And a lot of these tanks that are in the front yard hold enough water for about a month. And so you'd have somebody bring a water delivery about once a month, which is crazy to me. Like I, I know a lot of people that have heating oil back east. I know people that have propane because of where they live in their remote, but I've never thought I'm going to have to get a water delivery every month because where you can kind of, okay, I don't have propane. I don't have heating oil. I'm going to figure out some other way to do heating and cooking. I, I can use electric for it. To have to figure out how to get water at the end of the month is mind-blowing. It's not something that you can be like, well, I'll, you know, I'll cut back on my water for a week. Well, <laughs> I would not want to be in that house with you if you got back on water for a week. I would not want to be anywhere near what's happening in the toilets in that house. I don't even want to think about whether or not you're just dry brushing your teeth, how you're cooking your food. There's so much there that just I don't get. And I'm, I'm curious. There's, there's a lot of people online talking through this. 
and a lot of people who are giving their personal testimony about it. But it's mind-boggling because it's it's a point where it's like, I have to have water. And where I've seen reports where the water costs anywhere from 300 to $600 a month to fill up on water, now those prices are trebling, doubling, going up. Because instead of being able to get water from Scottsdale standpipes and make that contract, they're having to drive an additional 100 miles, 50 miles to go get water instead of being able to just grab it at Scottsdale. Even further, they go far afield as they need to to get water and get it over there. Because at this point, there's people who are talking about, I'm going to fix my truck up and put a, you know, one of those giant plastic things in it. You see the car wash trucks use, and I'm going to go find my own water and fill it up and drive it back. And that's going to be my Saturday once a month is to fill that up. It's just, it's crazy. So this community that's been cut off is being cut off because they decided not to be included. They decided they didn't want to be in the utility. The developer didn't want to pay to run pipes. The people there didn't want to pay into the utility for subservices. And now they're kind of dealing with that. I mean, how many places are currently being built in Rio Verde that are looking around and going, oh yeah, you've got a tank in your yard. I don't know how you're going to fill it up. What does this do? Um, a lot of people there have the option of a well. There's limits to wells. There's permits you have to go through. But if you have a well, it's a lot easier to weather this, right? But a well can cost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, let's let's give a voice to some of the other side. Um, <laughs> so this is... Christy Jackman, a resident who helped lead an effort to raise money to pay lawyers to seek an injunction. So the residents have been like, no, let's let's sue them and say they can't stop it. And their argument here is that there is a provision inside of the Scottsdale uh, water utility that says that they can't cut off water to a utility customer. You, you can you, you just can't unless there's there's reasons to do it like if there's breaks in the pipes but you, you just can't cut it off and so their argument is oh they've cut off a utility customer but they're not a utility customer they're a utility contract they're buying water one gallon at a time it's like arguing that a prepaid cell phone that ended because the price went up and you didn't couldn't pay it or it ended because that whole network set yeah this is a better example so if, uh, if you bought a prepaid cell phone and it was on 3G, the 3G band got shut down recently. And so your only option is to find an entirely new solution to prepay on an entirely different phone because your current phone is not going to work and you try and sue the carrier for shutting down 3G. Once your prepay contract is done, you're, you're done. Um, so they're, they're finally this injunction and their argument is that this is Christy Jackman saying, what Scottsdale has done is inhumane. It's dangerous. They've left us without fire protection. They've left us without water for families. Mostly what we have right now is palpable fear. That's fair. She's right. This would be terrifying. Back to what I said earlier. This would just shake me to my core if all of a sudden we went, nope, there is no water here. I would be terrified and I would figure out where to move. I would not be staying here. I would not feel safe once that had happened. And I can't imagine doing that with children 
uh, the elderly, anybody that was living with me that needs additional resources. That just that's crazy because all of a sudden you're making the choice between water bills and other bills. The cutoff that happened made everything harder to do. So people there did have stuff that conserve water. They have um, zero escaping in their yards. There's a lot of cactuses and acacias and that kind of stuff. Um, they have low volume dishwashers, low volume toilets, stuff that uses as little water as possible. But there's people, um, Connie Harris and his wife Donna Rice joined a gym in Scottsdale to take showers. They hauled dirty clothes to a friend's home or a laundromat. Plastic buckets in the backyard collect the rainwater. And that goes in a three and a half gallon plastic jug stationed in the bathroom to flush the toilet. Although now they usually make other arrangements. We pee outside, Conieris mentioned, as he ate his lunch of barbecue chicken off paper plates to avoid doing dishes. This kind of stuff dropped their average water consumption from 200 gallons per day last year to 30 gallons per day in the first week of January as they wait for a solution. Now, the other side of this is that as they look at that and they go, what if there isn't a solution? They don't know how or if they could sell their house. It would be crazy to buy their house right now. It would be crazy to walk into a situation and go, yeah, I, I will buy. And there are nice houses. They were built and bought for $500,000 several years ago. And I don't know what they'd even be worth right now. I don't know. So an example of the uh, the cost for water is there's a guy, Cody. He normally pays $380 a month for the 10,000 gallons per month he consumes along with his wife and four children. His family continues to use water at the same pace. The new price will put his next bill at $1,340 a month, he said, which is almost as much as his mortgage payment. Uh, everybody there is calling or emailing state and federal representatives. Most are ignoring inquiries. He visited the state legislature to try and speak with the former governor. It's crazy. It's this is this is madness. I, I don't know what the resolution of this is going to be, but there has to be a deep and shifting kind of philosophy in this community that is has a lot of admirable features. They are self-reliant. They want to be there. They want to take advantage of this beautiful part of the world and live there. But they also ended up with something that's relied on the back of legal loopholes, developer greed, and people, you know, there's there's uh, people in Arizona that don't want to be part of cities. They want to live rural and live on their own. It's really hard to live on your own anymore. And you have to make a lot of sacrifices. You can't just go live on your own and expect to have gigabit Wi-Fi and a 220-volt AC in case you want to charge your motorhome up and have gas that's close convenient and three dollars a gallon and water that's on tap and you never have to worry about it we have started thinking about all these things and how we share them and how we work towards them Arizona has a ton of properties a ton of rentals it's seeing this huge boom in people moving there and it needs to start doing some stuff to get there I live in Las Vegas, so I hope you don't think it hypocritical of me to bring this stuff up. Being in Las Vegas, I have done things to contribute to the water shortage here. My last house 
you know, letting the grass die and then switching over to Xeroscape stuff so you're not watering a yard. In my new house, I've taken out uh, two of the circuits on the sprinklers so that there's two rows of hedges that I cut out and there's about a dozen trees I cut out. Like it's just cutting water use wherever you can. But then the other thing that happened that is not an individual thing and has to be a collective thing is Las Vegas as a city has worked for years to take every drop that goes down the drain and recycle it and put it back into Lake Mead. That foresight and that planning has enabled us to grow while decreasing our water usage. And those conversations have to start happening at the city, state, and even federal level, since the federal level is involved in the basin contract that governs Colorado River water. It's involved in bailing some of these issues out when something goes horribly awry and there is a drought like there is now. Uh, FEMA jumps into both floods and droughts, comes for both of those. So I guess the thing that I'd take away from this, if you're an owner, resident, or investor, and kind of looking around at where to buy and where to get more properties is to be very cognizant of how that stuff's going to affect your ability to operate and rent those properties. If you're looking to buy, be aware of this other stuff. When somebody you come in and somebody says, yeah, you know, here's how water works. We just buy it and they bring it in. You might want to take a little bit of a deeper look. Also true for if you've got a property that's on propane, if you've got a property that's on septic. I have a neighbor who's just past where the sewer is, so he's on septic, which means that the water that he uses doesn't go back into Lake Mead. But he also has a young child and diapers to change and bathing to do and heating up bottles. And there's all this stuff that he's got to do that does need water And he's on septic, so he has to be very cognizant of how much water goes down the drain at the same time as how much water he uses. This is going to get more and more important and hit more and more people at the national level as we continue to change as a society and as a climate. With that, though, if you do have a property that needs property management service, this feels like a weird pivot. I I just want to say to the people in Rio Verde, I'm really sorry for the situation that you find yourself in. This is really crappy. But I don't know if if suing Scottsdale for an injunction or chasing an injunction is going to resolve it. It feels like it's more legal games. I think that there's some other collective options that you should get together and look at spending your money on rather than lawyers. Um, I, I wish you... I wish you health and happiness, and I hope that you find a way to get through this on the other side. We'll be watching closely. Um, it, I, I, I don't know if it's even possible to do an individual home recycling system where your water goes, instead of into septic, it goes into a personal treatment facility and then goes back in your water tank. If you, if you could cut 90% of the water that goes down your drain, if it could go back into your tank, you'd be in really good shape. You'd be filling up once every 10 months instead of once a year or once a month. I don't know. I don't know the answers. I think this is a challenging situation. There's a lot to read up on it. There's articles everywhere. I highly recommend starting with the PowerPoint presentation that Arizona put out that covers the, uh, it's called the results of 100-year projection using the lower Hasayampa sub-basin groundwater model. 
Uh, it applies more to Buckeye than Rio Verde foothills, um, but it's a great place to start to kind of get your head around how big this stuff is and how important it is to have these conversations. So with that, I will say if you need us, come find us. We'll do our best to help out. We are at poplar.home slash pod, poplar.home slash P-O-D. I hope you guys have a great week and enjoy your access to water. Mm-hmm.